Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast with weekly messages from the Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. Your Bibles turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We've been walking through the book of Ephesians together, and we're calling this In Christ because that's really kind of the theme of the whole book of Ephesians about who we are in Christ. So there was a story about a guy who got, he wanted tickets to the Super Bowl, uh, just incredible tickets on the 50-yard line, and so he was just thrilled. So he goes down and he sits down and he sees an empty seat next to him, and next to that was an older guy. And he said, well... Sir, isn't anyone sitting in this seat? And he said, no, uh, that was my wife's seat. Uh, we've been to every Super Bowl for the last 45 years, but, but she passed away this year. And the guy said, man, I'm so sorry to hear that. He said, isn't there anyone else that could take her seat? You know, a family member, a friend? He said, well, they're all at the funeral. Aww. So, wow, I thought that would. Um, so that's dedication, right? To the wrong thing. But that's dedication. But Paul today is, is talking about our dedication to Christ, our commitment to Christ in Ephesians chapter 2. So we've been going through the book of Ephesians. Paul wrote this one while he was in prison uh, to the people of Ephesus who were in a very metropolitan town. It was, a, it was a town that had lots and lots of different gods. It had a temple to the, the goddess Diana. They made a lot of money selling idols to that. And the church had grown up smack dab in the middle of this community that was very um, multi-ethnic. It was a, a very multi-ethnic town, lots of different nationalities there. Lots of people had moved there from other, other countries. And so Paul's talking to this church group here. And so he's been talking about how we are new in Christ. He talked about how we, he prayed for the church to have knowledge of who they were in Christ and where their identity was. And so picking up in verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 2, he had just talked about, just before this, he talked about how we were created in Christ to do what? Anyone remember? Good works. He had made us to do good things in Christ. And so he steps into this next little passage here. Now remember, he had just said, you're God's masterpiece. He said, you are God's workmanship created to do good things that he created long ago. So he says, you are living God's plan. Right? He said, you're new in Jesus. God has a plan for you. He's doing good things. And then he says this in the very next line, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. He's saying, remember who you were. Know who you are now, but remember who you were. And he said this, in those days... You were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you didn't know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you've been unified with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. And then listen to this. For Christ himself brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross... He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. 
He did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace. There's that word. Underline. If you underline in your Bibles, underline that word peace. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you, Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to Jews who were near. Now all of us, say that, all of us. All of us. That means us, right? I don't think anyone in here is Jewish. Maybe. Al, I think is. But, you know, the rest of us. You have to ask Al a story about that someday. Angie's shaking her head. But we're all one now. So he said, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Aren't you glad that we're no longer what we were? Kind of a quiet group today. You know what? Paul is telling them, remember where you came from. He said, you're now God's masterpiece. God has made you to do good works. He has a plan for you, but never forget where you came from. And guys, sometimes it's good to remember where we came from. Do you ever sit down and tell, those of you that have kids, do you ever sit down and tell your kids what you used to be like before? You're not glorifying it, just, I was stupid. You know, I made horrible decisions. I was far away from God, but now God's done something in me, right? It's good for us to remember. So how do we do this? How do we remember? How do we keep that in our hearts? Well, we need to remember first what we were. Remember what we were. We were without Christ. We were without Christ. All of us, whether we were good people or not, because like we've said, many people who don't know Jesus are really good people. There are a lot of people who don't know Jesus who do great things. They give to charities. They help anybody that needs help. I got a, I got a friend who would do anything for me. Doesn't know Jesus yet. I keep trying. But he's a great person. But he just doesn't know Christ yet. And so he said, all of us, whether we were good or whether we were horrible, we were without Christ. We didn't know him. I had a friend who grew up in Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas is like the Bible belt, right? I mean, there's churches on every corner in Arkansas. They're very conservative. This guy grew up in Arkansas, never once heard the name of Jesus until he was in college. Guys, seriously, never once. Somebody in college came up to him, one of the the Christian groups came up and said, hey, do you know Jesus? And he said, I think I might have a class with him. I don't know. Like he was thinking, hey, Zeus. Um, but they were like, no, 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 the God of the universe. He's like, what are you talking about? He had never heard Jesus. He was that far away. Oh, guys, we were all at that point. Some of us grew up in church. We were here every Sunday, but we, were, we didn't know Jesus until later in life. So we were without Christ. It doesn't matter where we come from or what we've done. We were outside a relationship with Jesus. And guys, I hear so many of you come up to me and tell me, Pastor, I don't have a great testimony. You know, we, we talk about sharing our story with others, and people say, well, I, you know, I was never on drugs. I was never at rock bottom. I, was, I just kind of grew up in church and gave my life to Jesus. That's a testimony. 
God protected you from those things. So don't ever feel like you don't have a testimony to share just because you weren't out there. But we have to remember, we were without Christ. And then he said, we were without citizenship. And we were outside the covenants. God had called the Jews to be his people. He called them to be his nation, a theocracy under him. And we as Gentiles were outside that. And Gentiles could come in as a proselyte and become circumcised and become Jewish. But they were never part of that, born into that nation. And guys, that's where we all were. We were outside those covenants, outside There were Pharisees every day that would get into the temple and pray, God, I thank you that I'm not a Gentile or a woman. They would pray that too because they didn't have any rights. But they were that, hey, we're we're this people. We're this great group. We were outside of that. And then Paul says this. He says, we were without God and without hope. How many of you before you knew Christ were hopeless? Anybody there? I was always looking for something. I was a good person. Right? I mean, I made good grades. I never got in trouble. You know, but I, was, I didn't know Jesus. And I was always looking for that hope. I was trying to find it in everything I could, in relationships, in music, in money, all those things. I didn't know Jesus. I was without hope. And we were all there at one point. And the world that Paul was writing to in Ephesus was a world without hope, a lot like ours today. The people were looking for hope everywhere. There were religions in every corner. There were temples to different things. There were philosophers trying to offer hope, and they didn't have it. And, you know, even in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul comforted the Christians by saying what would happen after death. He said, comfort one another with these words because they need that hope. We were outside. We didn't have that hope. Someone said that in Athens, it was easier to find a god than a person. (laughs) I mean, there were that many different religions and different gods out there. People were looking hope. And guys, remember... At one point, we were all there. At one point, every one of us in this room didn't know Christ, and we didn't have hope. Some of you may still be there. You may not have a relationship with Christ. You can have that today. You can have that hope. Some of you watching online may not have that hope yet. You can have that through a relationship with Christ. But why am I telling you this? Why am I getting all depressed on a Sunday morning? Because, guys, we all know people who are in the same spot. They may be good people. They may be solid community members. But if they don't know Christ, they don't have hope yet. We need to share that with them. It's our job. There may be someone living right down the street, right next door, someone living in our own home sometimes who don't have a relationship with Christ and they're looking for that hope. Why do you think people get into all these different things? They're all looking for hope. They need Jesus. And it's good for us to remember occasionally where we were. And, you know, like I said, they said that it was easier to find a God than a man. People made all kinds of idols. How many of us, before we knew Christ, had made idols out of other things? We'd allowed other things to come between us and the Lord, right? Some of us, it was our career. Some of us, it was our status, our prestige. Some of us, our families. Some of it was sexuality. Some of us, it was money. But we'd allowed all these other things to come between us and Christ Paul said, remember how you were. Don't forget. Don't get that spiritual pride, right? But what did Christ do? What Christ did, he came on a mission of reconciliation. That is hard to say. (laughs) He came on a mission of reconciliation. That's what Christ did for us. Paul tells how he brought reconciliation to Jews and Gentiles and to sinners and to the Lord. Reconcile, that word reconciliation, it's a fancy word. It means to bring together. 
when Christ came, what Christ did is he came on a mission to bring us together. Paul used that word hostility. He said there was hostility. Uh, some of your translations say enmity. When he was talking about Jews and Gentiles and sinners and God, it means a deep-rooted hatred. Guys, the Jews despised the Gentiles at that time. They didn't like them. They didn't feel like they were worthy. So Christ had to come on a mission of reconciliation to bring those two together, to show them that they could have hope in Christ. And guys, you know what sin is? Sin has always been the great divider, hasn't it? Think back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were in this incredible garden with all these animals to hang out with. I mean, how fun would it have been to ride a tiger? I mean, really, they didn't eat meat back then. They were, they were all friends. And then sin came and divided. Sin divided us and God. And then the very next generation, Cain and Abel, what did sin do? Divided Cain and Abel, right? Split their family down the middle. God sent a flood because sin had become so rampant that he sent a flood to have judgment on the world. And then right after the flood, what did they do? People decided to build a tower. Hey, we don't need God. We can do this together. So God sent another separation with languages, which is why we deal with all this today. Sin has always been the divider. And then God called Abraham, and he brought Jesus in, and Jesus came on a mission of reconciliation. Jesus came on a mission to bring us all together again in Christ. Right? And that's what he did. He broke down the walls between the Jews and the Gentiles. Guys, when God started bringing Gentiles to Christ, it messed the Jews up. It blew their minds. It took a move of God to show them that Gentiles could be saved, that, that us, we could come in. And Jesus on the cross broke down that wall of separation. Because remember, for generations, Jews had been different. They had different diets. They had different rules and regulations. They had a different set of laws. They were completely separate. And Paul said, now you're all one. There was actually, guys, I found this in Herod's temple, the, Her the temple that was around when Jesus was walking the earth. There was a sign because they had built barricades, right? They had the Holy of Holies, they had the holy place, and they had the outer court where even Gentiles couldn't come. And there was a sign that said this. Let me find it. No foreigner can enter within the barricade which surrounds the sanctuary enclosure. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. That's a serious sign. Now, some of you are thinking of putting that on your front door, right? <laughs> but that's what they had in there. They were that serious about this divide. And God brought us all together through Christ. Remember when Jesus died on the cross, what happened to the curtain in the temple? It was torn in half to show that we now all have access to the Father. So he broke those down. In Romans chapter 10, verse 12 and 13, Paul said, Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. We can all come to Christ now. Aren't you thankful? We don't have to live as Jews. We can live as Christians together. He brought us all together, Jew and Gentile, men and women, all the different nations. And guys, it's so easy, so easy to forget that we were all without hope at one point. And so, you know, Jesus broke down that wall between the Jews and the Gentiles. And you know, sometimes we rebuild that wall between Christians and people who don't know Christ. Have you ever walked into a church as a visitor, even as a Christian? Sometimes it's intimidating, isn't it? Sometimes you kind of get that all the heads turn at once and kind of look at you. You know, it's, it's kind of that weird, whoa. 
It's easy for us to do that. We can't forget where we came from, guys. Jesus broke down that wall so we could reach those who don't know him yet. He wants us all to be one in Christ. Then he broke down the wall between God and sinners. We were, Paul said we were far from God, but we've been near. We've been brought near to him. I love this. He says we were without Christ, but now he says we're in Christ. We were aliens, but now we've been made into a holy nation. We'll see here in just a second. We were strangers, but now we're brought near. We were without hope, but now we've been called to hope. We were without God, but now we have the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said that Jesus ended that system. And that word end means to nullify. Jesus nullified all that separation. Aren't you glad we have a relationship with Christ now? Aren't you glad that we have that? It means that he brought down that wall between God and sinners. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. And guys, I want you to listen. Some of you need to hear this. Because people tell you you're not good enough, that you don't have hope. Our own minds a lot of times will tell us we're not good enough, right? Our past tells us we're not good enough. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. Now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law couldn't do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us. Did you hear that? In Christ, God declared an end to sin's hold over us. He did this so that the requirement of the law could be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Guys, I know some of us struggle. Some of us struggle with sin. Some of us struggle with habits. Some of us struggle with feeling good enough. Jesus made you worthy Amen. when he died on the cross. Amen. It doesn't matter what your past says. It doesn't matter what some of your family members say. It doesn't matter what maybe sometimes even your spouse says to you. Jesus de- decided that you were worthy Amen. when he died on the cross. Amen. He did that for you so that now you are made worthy. So what are we now? We were separated. Jesus came and broke down that wall. So let's get into it. What are we now? What does Jesus say about us now? He says that we are one in Christ. We are all one. Guys, I love that we can come together with our Spanish congregation because even though we speak different languages, we eat different food, theirs is better, I think. (laughs) Right? We have different cultures, but we're all what? One in Christ. If you guys have been on a mission trip where you're in a, a different land where they speak a different language, you go to a church service, how fun is it to sit in there and sing the same worship songs in different languages like we do here on Sunday morning? You may not know. I remember I went when I was first married, my father-in-law and I went to Russia on a missions trip. We were building a building. We were fixing a building like what we're going to do in France. And that first Sunday we got into, we got in there and it was freezing cold. And we were in a sanctuary together with all these Russians and we were singing Hillsong songs, like songs we knew They were singing in Russian, we were singing in English, and it was incredible. God's presence was so powerful in that room. And it was amazing because it showed me we're all one. We're all the same family, right? We're all one in Christ. So he said that we're one. Listen to what he says in Galatians chapter 3. You are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. All who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. 
There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. You are all what? One in Christ. You are all one. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Paul said over and over that word one. He said you are one in Christ. You are one family. You are one temple. You are one new person in him. All those spiritual distances have been put to death now. So we're one. He said we're one nation. Guys, the Jews had been God's chosen nation forever. Paul said now you're all Jewish (laughs) in a sense. You're all God's people. You are that chosen nation now. In Christ. What is that chosen nation? It's the church. That new nation is the church. All of us who worship Jesus together, whether we're Methodists, Baptists, Pentecostals, Episcopals, whatever we are, we are all one in Christ. The Jews had rejected God. So he said, all right, I'm going to give it to others who will come together. And now we're all one, Jews and Gentiles together, all in Christ. So this new nation is the church made up of us. Listen to what Peter says. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. You're not like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And he called you. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you're God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you've received God's mercy. Guys, we as the church, capital C Church, are one nation now. We're a new nation in Christ. So I know this is kind of, this is a lot of material, a lot of verses together, but guys, you need to hear this. We're his. We are one in Christ. We are his. You belong. And I know some of us have spent our entire lives trying to find somewhere to belong. Guess what? You belong in Christ. I don't know. I coach seventh grade basketball. And, you know, seventh grade is that awkward time. You guys remember your middle school years? I hated middle school. I had huge feet. I was really clumsy all the time. I tripped. And we had, like, my middle school was, like, I think three floors, kind of like the middle school here. So you had to go up and down stairs all day long. So it was an opportunity every day to trip down the stairs. It was amazing. And people would kind of help you, you know, down the stairs. I had bruises all the time. But I was always trying to find somewhere to fit in because I was just weird. I was, I was gangly and, you know, I, we had new to town. We had just moved in. And I remember when I found Christ, I was like, I have somewhere to belong. And, you know, guys, some of you have been looking for that your entire lives. You belong to Christ. He calls you his. So we're one nation and we're one family. We're one family. And, guys, we use this intentionally. We say church family all the time around here at Calvary. I say it at least once a Sunday, I try. Because we're what? We're family. And I know family has weird connotations because we all have those crazy members in our family, right? If you can't think of one, it's probably you, right? Uh, so we're, but we all have those in our family. But we're one family in Christ. We are God's family. He says we're the family of God, the household of God. The Jews can't claim special privileges anymore because we're all one in Christ. And God is our perfect father. And again, I know father, when you say dad, father, sometimes it has some negative connotations because some of you have had really bad experiences with your earthly fathers. But we have a perfect father who loves us, who sacrificed everything to have us with him. And Paul says, I won't read it, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about how the body of Christ is a family, but it's kind of like a huge body. 
and your body has lots of little parts, right? Have you ever broken a toe? You know, toes are like this big. It is incredible how painful that is when you break one of those things, right? You don't think they do anything, but they hurt like crazy. We have a new puppy that thinks toes are chew toys. It is insane how bad that hurts when a dog gets a hold of your toe, right? And, you know, some of us, we can feel a little insignificant, you know, feel like the pinky toe. But you're vital. He says that you have a part. If you have time this afternoon, go home and read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's an incredible chapter. How Paul says we're all part of God's body. We're all part of his family. And we all have a vital part. We're all part of that. He says each of you is a part. And then lastly, we're one temple. This is the biggest thing I need you to get today. In the Old Testament, where did God's presence live? In the temple, right? First it was the tabernacle, the portable temple. Then they built this incredible temple for God and his presence dwelt in the temple. And then it got destroyed, they built another one, right? And then they got destroyed, they built another one. So they had all these temples. And Paul says temple, and he did it intentionally because in Ephesus, there was a temple to Diana. If you remember the very first week we watched a video that kind of showed all this, there was a temple to the goddess Diana. And that's how a lot of them made their living. Because they, that's where they worship this goddess, Diana. And Paul says, now all of us as Christians, as the capital C church, are God's what? Temple. We're his family. We're his body. We're his temple. And why does he call it that? Because he says the Holy Spirit now lives inside of each and every one of us. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You are the temple of the Spirit. I mean, when we accept Christ... He lives inside of us. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter says, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. You are the living stones God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you're his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. So he says that the, the apostles and the prophets laid down the, the foundation of the temple. They're the ones who taught the word that we build on. And this is all of us are living stones. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, you kind of get this great picture of Christ taking us and lovingly building us into his temple, being what he wanted us to be. Christ is molding and shaping you, no matter if you're middle schooler, high school, young adult, middle age, older adult, it doesn't matter. God has a spot for you in his family. God wants you to do something with you. And so this whole thing, you know, Paul, or yeah, Paul had just talked about how God calls you his masterpiece. How he's created you anew in Christ to do good works. He prepared way in advance for us. But then he says, don't forget where you came from. That's what this whole thing is. Don't get prideful. Don't forget where you came from and don't forget where you're going. So that's kind of the whole gist. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up this morning. Don't ever forget that at one time we were without hope. We were without Christ. But now he has made us his masterpiece. He's got good plans for you. He wants to do good things in you and through you. And he's building you into his temple. And you belong. You're part of the family of God. You're part of his church, his temple, this new nation. He has a place for you. So I'm going to ask you, if you're physically able this morning, would you stand? Lord, we're so thankful this morning that 
You call us yours. Lord, we're thankful that you called us out of darkness into the light in a relationship with you. And Lord, I pray this morning you'd help us never forget where we came from. God, help us never to forget what you did in us, that you brought us from that place of hopelessness, of being outside, and you brought us into relationship with you and filled us with the Holy Spirit. And now we're your temple. Now we're part of your family, and you have good things in store for us, good things to do through us and in us. Lord, help us never to forget. And Lord, if there are any of us in this room today who are in that place where we're not in a relationship with you, we don't have that hope yet. Lord, help us to see that we can make that right today in Christ. Lord, I pray for those of us today who feel like we're kind of outside. Maybe we don't belong. Help us to see what you have in store for us, that we're part of your family, we're part of your temple. You've called us out and called us yours, and we belong, and you sacrificed for us. And Lord, if there are any of us here today who are kind of separated, we've allowed things to come between us and the body of Christ, Lord, help us to get that fixed today. Whether it was on us or whether it was on somebody else, help us to get that right today. Somebody asked you right now, would you just close your eyes with me? Just bow your heads, close your eyes, just kind of sit yourself in with the Lord. Those of you watching online, would you pause for a moment and just take some time with the Lord? If you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor Rex, I don't have a relationship with Christ. I've never asked him to forgive my sins. I've never started that relationship with him. If I was to be really honest, I would say I'm, I'm far from God, but I want to make that right today. I want to take that first step to him. If that's you, would you slip your hand up right where you're at? I want to pray with you this morning. We'll say a prayer together. If you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor, I just need to remember where I came from. I have a little bit of that spiritual pride. I've forgotten where I was, but I want to remember. If that's you, would you slip your hand up right right? Yeah, I want to pray with you today. Yeah, absolutely. If you're here today and you say, you know, I don't remember who I am. It's so easy to let the world tell me what, I, what I'm worth. It's so easy to let the world tell me that I don't belong, but I just need to remember who I am in Christ. So that's you. Would you just raise your hand? Yeah. I'm going to pray with you as well. Here today, maybe something has come between you and the church. Maybe something someone said and they hurt you. Maybe something that you did that hurt someone else, but you want to make that right. Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you today. So I'm going to say a prayer, and then we're going to close out with a song. But if you want someone to pray for you, I'm going to invite you to come up to the front. There will be someone in the church family who be glad to come up and pray with you today. But, Lord, right now, I just pray for all those that raise their hands. Lord, I pray first for those who need to remember where they came from. Lord, help us to always remember what you've done in us, to, to be thankful for the new life you've given us in Christ, to never forget. Lord, I pray for those that raise their hands and said they... They kind of feel outside because people tell them that they're worthless. People tell them that they don't have a future. People tell them that they don't have anything to live for. Lord, would you help them today to know who they are in Christ? And Lord, I pray for those today who have been hurt by the church. Lord, would you help them today to know that it wasn't being hurt by Jesus. It was hurt by people. And help us to get that straight today. In Jesus' name.